Yeah, we're saying that the day of the Lord and the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord in Scripture is the Lord Jesus Christ coming for his church. And the day of the Lord is when the Lord comes to reign on earth. You know, in our everyday language which we use, we talk of a day in various ways. Uh, for instance, we talk of the day of the steam engine or the day of Queen Victoria. And we don't mean a 24-hour day. We mean the period of time when Victoria reigned. And similarly in Scripture, it talks about the day of salvation. This is the day of salvation. Well, that's been going on for 2,000 years. The day of salvation. And it talks about, in connection with Israel, it says the day of temptation in the wilderness. It doesn't mean that they were only tempted for a temptation in the wilderness for one day. They were there for 40 years. So the, the term day doesn't necessarily mean 24 hours. The day of the Lord is characterized by two things. The judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes and also the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself when he comes. What, what will it be like? You know, Jesus in Matthew 24, and we read this before, in verses 29 and 30. And Jesus gives a description of what it will be like. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So it was going to be a time when quite frightening in appearance. The day of the Lord then is the period in which he shall rule on this earth when he comes to the earth with with his saints. After the, the first resurrection when the church, his believers are taken to heaven when, God, when Jesus appears in the clouds and we are all lifted up, then will follow, as we have said, the great tribulation, and then Christ will return with his saints, it says. Now, not necessarily the man-made saints that Christendom has given the name saints to, because the word saint in Scripture applies to all believers, you and me, and all those who have put their faith and trust in Christ. Paul talks, he writes to the saints. So we don't have to be nominated as a saint. We already are saints. And then Jesus will return with his saints and set up his millennium kingdom. And what will it be like? Let's turn to Psalm 72. It's a lovely psalm. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness, 
and thy power with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people, he shall save the children of the needy, and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him. For he shall deliver the needy when he crieth, the poor also, and him that hath no helper. He shall spare the poor and needy, and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence, and precious shall their blood be in his sight. And he shall live, and to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba. Prayer also shall be made for him continually, and daily shall he be praised. There shall be a handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon, and they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of the God of Israel, who only doth wonder, doeth wonderful things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and Amen. It's a fantastic psalm, that. But it speaks of something which is going to take place. You notice that he shall break in pieces the oppressor. What a beautiful psalm. He shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. Verse 2. Too long we have the separation of righteousness and judgment. We have had injustice on this earth for years and years and years. But this is a time which will come when there shall be peace on earth, but also a time of judgment. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. The, those in the wilderness shall bow before him. They shall bring him presents. And we'll see how that is paralleled in other passages of scripture. Now we have injustice in the world. We are living in what we could call man's day. In 1 Corinthians 4, don't bother turning to this, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 3, 
Paul makes a comment. He's saying, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. They were, they were judging Paul for some various things. But he says, or of man's judgment. Man's judgment. And what he's really saying is, this, this is man's day. That's another translation. Man's day instead of man's judgment. It equals it. Man has had his day for 2,000 years. Man has had his day. And we see the results of that every day. The abuse of God's laws everywhere happening every day. Just look where man's day has got us. You know, I read an article the other day a girl called Melanie Phillips, Jewess. And the article just exemplified this. It showed how that for years this country had a traditional family life. A code of behaviour which followed rules and precepts laid down in what could be called the Judeo-Christian heritage. At the heart of this was the mosaic code. All our laws are built from a, an adherence to the, the code which was in scripture. But now we have the onslaught on traditional family life by those who promote lifestyle choice and says that anyone who disapproves of serial promiscuity, unnatural relationships, children with no fathers, if you object to this type of thing, you're regarded as a bigot, a fundamentalist, maybe even a fascist. And this onslaught was mounted by people who want to overturn that heritage and replace it by secular human rights. Or man's rule, man's day. This, this doctrine, which they're imposing on us, says that everyone has an absolute right to personal autonomy. In other words, you make up your own moral codes. So there's no absolutes. This is supposed to usher in a dawn of happiness and self-fulfillment. Political correctness, human rights, are the way to end all the horrible things in the world like prejudice and hatred. Freedom of choice is sort of the holy of holies that will create this whole new world. Anything that prevents this freedom, like true religion, is considered an affront to decency. Christianity is oppressive because it, put it puts constraints on, on uh, human appetites and desires. And of course, the people who first invented this were, of course, the Jews. And this, this introduces a kind of anti-Semitic thing because it was the Jewish nation to whom God gave these laws in the first place. The only problem with this is that the Mosaic Code is actually at the root of all our human rights. 
the Mosaic Code way back comes right through our laws, the Ten Commandments, the moral laws that we have in this country are based and have come from the Judeo-Christian ethic. The whole concept of morality, the sense of obligation to others, which makes what a civilized society is, comes from that. If it wasn't for that, we'd still be knocking each other's heads off. Free for all. Real human rights come from the fact that we are all made in the image of God. Take away the Torah, the Jewish law, and the dignity of every human individual goes out of the window. And this has been imposed on us by the secularists and the humanists. They say we, we don't need Christianity to tell us how to behave. And what's happened now is that the, the wheels have come off the wagon. The secular onslaught against religion has replaced freedom by license. The notion of individual equality before God, the core of personal liberty, is being replaced by their theories. Since all lifestyles are of equal value, moral judgments between different forms of lifestyles now is discrimination. If we want to uh, oppose or to make a moral judgment against a particular lifestyle, we're not allowed to do it because that is discrimination. And the result of this is that behaviour such as sexual deviation, promiscuity, the abandonment of children, the, the one-parent families, all this type of thing, that's become regarded as the norm. That's the problem. Anyone criticising it is a bigot because the overriding requirement is that no one should feel badly about themselves. Alternative lifestyles have become the mainstream. What was for years regarded as the norm has been placed to one side. And that is one of the problems we have in this world today. And it was all foretold in scripture. We shouldn't be surprised, but yet we are. In Jude, verse 15, it says, the Lord is coming with his saints to do what? To execute judgment upon all. And to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. It says, Jesus is coming with the saints to execute judgment on these people. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, 
Remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. We have been warned, it's in scripture, but there is a day of judgment coming. Peter also, in 2 Peter 2, he says, The Lord knows how to reserve the unjust for a day of judgment, to be punished, and especially those who walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise dominion. He said, The Lord knows about it. They, it goes on to say, and they will utterly perish in their own corruption, being about to receive the wages of unrighteousness, deeming indulgence as pleasure in the daytime. What a shock is in store for these people. Soon man's day, which we are in now, will be replaced by the day of judgment. Turn to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. Speaking of, go to verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of of the Lord, and he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. He won't just judge quickly and by what he hears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Now that is not happening now. We are living in the age of grace, in the age of salvation. This is the day of salvation. But he, the day will come when he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. This will happen in the day of the Lord, when the Lord shall come back and rule this earth with a rod of iron. We read what Jesus said it was going to be like when he comes. The, the, the nations will tremble. Switch over to Psalm number 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain things? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. That's what the, the nations say. Let's they take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, 
Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. And what does God do? He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. He shall speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. When? I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me. God speaking. He says to his son, I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. That's what is going to happen to these nations who have rejected God. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are they that put their trust in him. This is what it will be like in the day of the Lord. In Jeremiah 46, in verse 10, we have this verse. For this is the day of the Lord, God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries. Man may think that he is in control, that God has forgotten. But there will come a day. And Zechariah, if you can find Zechariah, it's near the end of the Old Testament. If you start at Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, Zechariah is the second last book in the Old Testament. I'm going to read a large portion of this. Zechariah chapter 14. Again, about the day of the Lord. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and your spoil shall be divided in your midst. For I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. We can see it happening. There is going to be a gathering of the nations, and they will gather against Jerusalem. And the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. And half of the city shall go into exile, and the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And the Lord shall go out and fight against those nations. Like the day he falls in the day of battle, the Lord shall suddenly appear. How? And his feet shall stand in that day on the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. 
and the Mount of Olives shall divide from its middle, from the east and to the west, a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And you shall flee to the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal. And you shall flee as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with you. And it will be in that day that there shall not be light. The glorious ones shall shrink. And it will be one day which shall be known to the Lord, neither day nor night. But it will happen at that as evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in that day living water shall go out from Jerusalem. Half of them shall go toward the eastern sea, and half of them toward the western sea. In summer and in winter it shall be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord, and his name shall be one. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Jeba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem. And it shall rise and dwell in its place, from Benjamin's gate to the place of the first gate, to the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananiel to the king's wine presses. And they shall dwell in it, and there shall never again be a shutting in, but Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this shall be the plague which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have fought against Jerusalem. All those who have come up against his people will be a plague. Their flesh shall, not, shall rot while they stand in their feet. And their eyes shall rot in their sockets. And their tongues shall rot in their mouth. And it shall be in that day a great panic of the Lord shall be among them. And they shall each one lay hold of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of all the nations all around shall be gathered, gold and silver and clothing in great abundance. So shall be the plague of the horse, the mule, the camel, and the ass, and of all the beasts which shall be in these tents, like this plague. This plague is going to be on the men and on the animals. And it shall be, everyone who is left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem, shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be, whoever will not come up from all the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the king, Jehovah of hosts, even on them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt does not go up, nor come in, they shall have no rain. But the plague with which the Lord shall strike the nations who do not come up to the feast of tabernacles. 
all these nations are going to have to come up and declare obedience to the Lord. This shall be Egypt's offense and the offense of all the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. In that day there shall be bells on the horses. Holiness are holy to the Lord. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts. And all those who sacrifice shall come up and take of them and boil in them. And in that day there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord of hosts. Amazing. What's going to happen on this day? From this passage it is obvious that the day of the Lord includes the whole period of reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jerusalem is surrounded. All seems hopeless. The nations have risen up against those in Jerusalem, against his chosen people. All is bleak. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as he falls in the day of battle. It will be a day and a time when there will be physical changes to the landscape. There will be an earthquake. There will be the, the, the Mount of Olives will be divided. There will be climatical changes. And above all, governmental changes over the whole earth. The Lord shall be king over all the earth. He shall be honoured. And as we read in that psalm, do you remember we read? It said that Sheba and those places would come and offer him gifts. And this is what is going to happen. This is just repeating that. In Isaiah 2, and verse 2, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it and many people shall go and say come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the Lord's house the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. God's word is going to be the law of the land. And it shall go forth out of Zion. Shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nations. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Yes, he's going to bring in a time of peace. But he's going to bring it in initially with a rod of iron. And break those who object in pieces like breaking a potter's pot. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord shall go forth out of... Zion, out of Jerusalem. Out of Zion, not out of the church, because the church has been taken and now has come back 
with the Lord to reign upon the earth. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Today we have, you know, so many organizations which are seeking to bring peace onto the earth. We have the United Nations. We've had the Councils of Europe. We've had NATO. And still we have wars. Still we have battles. There are still people fighting against each other. What will stop these conflicts? Nothing. Nothing. Until the coming in of the day of the Lord. Psalm 46. Look at Psalm 46. Another psalm. We need to move on. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore. Will not we fear. Though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried. Into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. There is a river. The streams whereof make glad the city of God. This is exactly what we've been reading about in Zechariah. The changes which are going to take place. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that's right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. Understand, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariots in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. Why? Because I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Let us be quiet, he says, and realize that he is God. Why? Because he will be exalted among the heathen. He will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Man may make alliances and treaties, but they will never stop wars and famines and injustice. There will not be a gradual improvement by man's efforts in this world. It is only when our Lord comes and intervenes in this world that there will be ushered in a period of universal peace. Not by man's efforts. Be still and know that I am God. That's what he says. Now, we have mentioned before that most Christians believe that there will be a gradual spread of the gospel and a work of the spirit throughout the world that the nations of the world will become Christian and this is what they understand as the millennium God is at present dealing with man God is at present in this world dealing with man on the basis of grace by grace are ye saved through faith that is it 
Today is the day of salvation. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, Jesus said, but to save the world. That's why he came. We sang that chorus. We said it before, I think. I didn't, he did not come to judge the world. He did not come to blame. He did not only come to seek. It was to save he came. And when we call him Savior, sure we call him by his name. God is not today acting openly as the righteous judge of the world. He has given man his reins, as it were. But there is a day of judgment coming. God has sent his beloved son to this earth. And wicked man murdered him, rejected him, crucified him. At present, man may repent of his sins and wickedness. And there is salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ to all who come unto God through him. But the world, the mass of the world, still stands condemned for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that death is unavenged. But the day of vengeance is coming. Over the centuries people have repented and turned to God. But the mass, Jesus said, few there be that find it. Broad is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. There's a very interesting verse in Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11. And here's what it says. I have to listen carefully. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Get it? Because the work, the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. They don't see visibly before their eyes the judgment which God has in store for them. Therefore, they set their hearts fully to do evil. Man goes on in his evil way. What do people say? God is dead. Because they don't see the actual judgment of sin which is coming. And in Isaiah 26 there are some other interesting verses. It says, let favor be showed to the wicked. Oh, show favor to the wicked. Yet will he not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness will he deal unjustly. Oh yes, if you show favor, then what is happening now? God has shown favor to the wicked. He's not at present judging the wicked. And it says man, man will not learn righteousness because of that. Just the way it is. But the time will come. Verse 9 of that chapter 26. With my soul I desire thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. 
For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. It is only when God's judgments are in the earth that man will come to learn righteousness. When God will come in the form of our Lord and Saviour and he will judge the world with a rod of iron. Also in that chapter in verse 11, it says when God's hand is lifted up, holding back judgment, people will not respond. They won't. Because they think God is not going to act. But it says, but they shall see and be ashamed for their envy at the people, yea, the fire of thine enemies shall devour them. There are lots of examples, especially in the Psalms. In Psalm 110, for instance, just very quickly, if you look at Psalm 110, that brings out this point. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at thy right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand. God, the Lord Jesus, is sitting at the right hand of God. Until when? Until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. The Lord Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God until the time shall come when he will return to this earth and rule with a rod of iron. There are numerous other passages we could look at. For those who submit to his reign, a blessed day of peace and righteousness is coming. For those who will not yield a day of vengeance and righteous judgment. Man says God is dead. God says prepare to meet thy God.